Consider the coconut. So what? Consider its leaves. The island gives us what we need. And no one leaves. You ever think about how fucked up that is? Yes. Especially All the since, time. like, yeah, because, like, at that moment, she's like, hey, can I leave? And they're like, no, look at this coconut. It's great. Literally, coconuts are all we need. <laughs> like, no, no, my friend, my bud, my bro. Brainwashing 101 by coconuts. Yeah. Yo, dad is a call leader. <laughs> that should have been the... Music. Yeah. <laughs> Music. Thank you. Like, this sh- probably should have been the opener for our last episode, now that I, I mean, think about it. Probably. Yeah. Uh, we're a little late to the game, and that's okay. It's fine. We're it just happens. doing... You know what we're doing right now? We're doing our best. Hey, well, I mean, yeah, wow, okay. yeah, we are. Yeah, okay. I'm over here doing my best, Emily. What are you up to? Oh, um, well, I mean, if you really want to know, I'm making a graphic that was requested by me that about is true. clown fucking. That so. is true. Yes, there's two options, and it just says we gatekeep and clown fucking now. It'll be on Tumblr. We yep. need Tumblr followers. Come hang out with us <laughs> okay, on thanks. Tumblr. All right, so. Hey, guys, guess what? Oh, God. Guess what? We're back on serial killers. Hey, guess what? We were, like, sitting in the car one day when we were going out for Taylor's birthday, and we're like, what do we want to talk about? And then she looked at me, and I just kind of panicked. (laughs) (laughs) And I said serial killers, because I didn't have the list in front of me. And at first I was like, we shouldn't. And then I was like, it's been a couple. It's been a couple. And by the end of that car ride, we were like, we're going to do serial killers, I I guess. guess. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. We like serial killers, but we don't like them as people. Yes. I wouldn't want to hang with my dude. No. <laughs> I'm assuming you wouldn't want to hang Listen, with yours. I, when doing my research today, I found a love letter he wrote from prison to someone named Emily, and I lost my shit. You sent me that. I did, and, and I was, was screaming, and Kat was like, oh my god, what the hell happened? It's like super not cool to see... His handwriting? Yeah, with your name. Yeah. And then, like, talking about, like, did your boobs mature when, like, all this Oh, my God, I didn't shit, even like, get that far. I it stopped. It was at the bottom. Oh, my God, no. Yeah. Yuck. Uh, hey. Just inappropriate questions with your name attached to it, written Sh- by a serial killer. Like, mm, Should we dive right in and tell them who yours is? Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I am doing Richard Ramirez, <laughs> a.k.a. the Night Stalker. <laughs> A.K.A. a huge stinky douche nozzle that didn't brush his teeth ever and is just a gross human being. That's my title. I think it's a little long it's for a little long. A little long for headlines, a little long for the episode title, although now I wish that was the episode title. <laughs> he's a, just he's literally long. crazy. I guess if you had to, if we had to say there's a theme for this episode specifically, there's, it's probably sexual sadism. Yeah. And, and then an actual, also the like sadist. Right. Yeah, this guy too. And then also just the fact that we have like Reddit stories of people who have met these people and those are creepy and awesome. Yeah. So yeah, buckle the fuck in. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> it's all happening. We're going on a trip in, in our, our favorite ship. Oh god. It's the worst rocket ship ever. I don't want to be on this rocket ship. I hate it. Mm. All right. So, just a little background on Richard Ramirez in case there's anyone who doesn't know anything about him. I'm not going to do that. Oh, God. Okay. You're already you're already like, mm. So he was the youngest child in a family with six kids. He's epileptic. And he was described by his father as being a good boy. Great. Until his involvement with drugs. So just like brain trauma and then drugs. And cool. then when he was 12... He found a new hero in his cousin, Mike, who was a Vietnam vet and an ex-Green Beret. Oh, no. Cousin Mike was probably real fucked up. Oh, yeah. So, cousin Mike got home from Vietnam, probably had some serious PTSD, and did a whole bunch of things he wasn't supposed to do in Vietnam. Uh, Like, he had pictures of rapes and human torture from Vietnam. And so... Ramirez became, you know, kind of fascinated with sure. pictures of brutality. So one day, Mike's wife started complaining about how lazy Mike is. I mean, he's smoking pot all day and showing a kid pictures of crimes of war. Why not? He doesn't want to clean. Sure. Well, his reaction to her basically nagging him was shooting her in the face in front of Richard Ramirez. Whoa. 
Yeah. I don't think I knew that story. Yeah. Fuck. So Mike was sentenced to seven years for the murder. Seven years. Seven years. For shooting a lady in the face. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Sentencing. Yeah. Yeah. So by 18, Richard was a big old drug user. Hmm. And a chronic candy eater. Which <laughs> resulted in tooth decay and extreme halitosis. I'm just so, imagining him just, like, chewing bubble gum and doing heroin at the same yeah, time. Yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> maybe it makes it sweeter. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Spoonful of sugar, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, he also became involved in satanic worship. Which because, of course. plays into his kills later. Mm-hmm. And his general, you know, bad looks. I mean, he was attractive for his time, I guess. Until they get close enough to smell him. Uh-huh. Gross. Yeah. Okay, so before I get into the survivors, I just really want to talk about how Ramirez was caught. Because <laughs> it's a great story. Yeah, fucking let's jump all the way to something I like. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to just kind of hodgepodge this a little bit. We're going to jump through time. Girl, it's cool. So August 31st, 1985, he was trying to steal a car not noticing the owner was working on it underneath. So oh. when he started up the car, the guy got out from under the car and, like, pulled him out. Ha! He ran across the street trying to steal the neighbor's car, but the neighbor called for help. Other people recognized him from the sketch that was released from his last attempted murder, which I will actually talk about. Hmm. I'm talking mainly, like, I'm highlighting two of his survivors, but I'm going to kind of overview all of them okay awesome but they recognized him from the mugshot everybody got together they apprehended him they held him down they beat the ever-loving so shit just like these people him. on the street the citizens people arrested on the street, people on the street did a citizen's arrest oh my and god beat the ever-loving shit out of him and held him down until the cops got there oh my god that's the fucking best he was convicted of, I believe, 14 counts of murder and 31 other felony counts because there was so much evidence. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, he was not one to he was not meticulous. He was just no. crazy. He was leaving them clues. Yeah. I mean, because he's not thinking about that. He's no. just like, I'm going to do this now. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he was basically on a rape and murder spree for like a year. Yeah. It's insane how long that is. Yeah. So he got some fans while he was on trial. I'm sorry, say that again? He had some fans. There are people who are fans of him? Female fans. Yeah, Ted Bundy had a ton of fans. Oh, my sweet babies. Um, okay. He got married while he was Ted, in jail. Okay, but Richard Ted Bundy Ramirez. is Ted Bundy, and this motherfucker... Has a, like, weird pretty face, I guess, if you're... Y'all are gross out there. Drunk and run into a wall a couple times. Hey, hey, just like a message to everybody who's gross out there. Don't. Stop it. Don't. Knock it off. Don't do this. <laughs> And that ends the portion where we yell at people who <laughs> love serial killers. But Go like on. love. Like really want to fuck them. Like we're going to try and set up conjugal visits for them. Like, we're. Uh -uh. Oh God. I already have the name of this episode. <laughs> we're gatekeeping serial killer fucking now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. So this is my Reddit story. The story is this. When my mom was 16, she was sleeping and woke up to someone trying to open her bedroom window. She ran to my grandma's room and told her someone was trying to break in. Uh. My grandma, being the crazy awesome lady she is, grabs a bat and runs outside and confronts this guy and starts swinging. This bitch. Oh, my the God. The guy runs off and they don't think too much of it. Sometime later, my grandma sees the guy on the news and it's Richard Ramirez. My mom told this story over and over and over when I was growing up. She easily could have been one of his victims. I'm so grateful she wasn't, especially since she was pregnant with me at the time. Whoa. Yep. Oh, my God. Like, wow. Yeah. Granny with a baseball bat. Yeah. Holy I shit. I told Kat I'm going to go out and buy a baseball bat. Yes, that's the kind of grandma it's I want to be. Better than her trying to possibly fend off an intruder with a teddy bear. True. Almost anything is better than that. Yeah. Also, way to go her, though, for like... Yeah. Hearing like that hearing and it getting help. And having her window locked because, yes. as will be a running theme 
in these mm. stories, people left their windows unlocked because that's how he got in. He just right. walked around neighborhoods looking for open windows. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do lock your fucking doors no matter where you live. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I get that there are... if you live out in the middle of nowhere. Please lock your doors. Right. I've lived with people from out in the country that never locked the doors, and I was always freaking out because I've had my back door kicked in. Mm-hmm. I've been home when that happened. It's not fun. I right. don't recommend it. Yeah. Lock your shit. And there's crazy people everywhere, and statistically it might not be that likely, but, like, are you just going to dangle your bleeding leg in the water in the hopes that a shark won't be near you? No. Like, then lock your doors. It's the same. <laughs> okay, I guess we weren't done yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're never done but, yelling at people. <laughs> um, maybe we are now. So, I have a whole lot of people that survived him. Not everyone Fuck has yeah. a name, but there was there were two women when he was first starting out. So, in 1975, he tied up and intended to rape a woman, but he was stopped. Ooh. In 1978... He managed to rape a woman repeatedly, but he didn't kill her. Hmm. So things started to kind of spiral years after that. Okay, he's escalating, yeah. sort of. So okay. he started his rampage in 1984. Uh, he liked to do kills night after night after night, and then stop for a little bit, and then do a couple nights in a row. So he killed a couple, and then he went after Harold Wu, um, shot him in the head, and then his wife was punched, bound, and then violently raped, but he didn't kill her. Hmm. So, first named survivor. Right. Of Jean Wu. Wow. Maria Hernandez was shot with a twenty two revolver and survived. Shit. Unfortunately, her roommate died. Uh, he attacked her outside her house in Rosemead. He shot her in the face with the gun and then pulled her into the garage. She survived because the bullets ricocheted off the keys that she had in her hand that she lifted to protect herself. What? But her roommate heard the gunshot and ducked behind the counter when she saw Ramirez in the kitchen. She raised her head and he shot her in the forehead. Oh man. And she died instantly. That's awful. But I, the keys, keys. The keys. I mean, that's just you trying to do whatever you can, you yeah, know? Yeah, literally and just whoop, whoop, To whoop. have that sort of work a little bit is yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Lillian Doy was killed. Her husband died, which seems to be Ramirez's thing. He kills the, the husband or the significant other or tries to and then mm. rapes the wife or right. lady. Uh, he used thumb cuffs to keep her bound. Fuck. <laughs> She's looking I at them right now. I just want to point out, I did a Google image search of thumb cuffs because I have a general idea of how they work. I just couldn't remember if they actually had, like, gouges in them oh. to, like, drive in. But I, I was thinking of thumb screws. Oh. But thumb cuffs <laughs> are literally just cuffs for your thumbs. And there is also a picture <laughs> of a G-string with a little badge on it. And I don't understand what that has to do with thumb cuffs. Thanks, Google. Uh, I do. It's all very kinky. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but he started... Uh, robbing houses at this point after the rapes or Shit. it's like noted that he's been robbing houses and he ransacked the home for valuables the husband died of his injuries while in the hospital the wife survived hmm. um, blanche wolf he also likes to change his weapons hmm. sometimes he'll use a gun at one point he bought a machete wow he used a hammer he used a tire iron like just he changed it up. He used a knife at one point. Part of me wants to think, like, oh, that's kind of smart. The murder weapon, the M.O. is different each time. But it's like, he was not thinking like that. No. This is a person who would kill one of the people in the room, rape the other, and then leave that person alive even though they'd seen him. Yeah. Like, that, he's not thinking. Yeah. He's just doing whatever he wants. So, Ramirez attacked Malviel Keller, who was 83. Mm. And her invalid sister, Blanche Wolf, who was 80. Oh, my God. He beat each of them with a hammer. He attempted to rape Keller, but he couldn't get it up. Because he is an awful human being. That is fucked up. And then he used lipstick and drew a pentagram on Keller's thigh and at the wall in the bedroom. Blanche is the only one who survived. Shit. So that's where the satanic stuff comes in. He's yeah. got some of that going Yeah, he on. started working it into the crime scenes. 
again, you gotta wonder, like, do you just feel like it? Yep, and then after that, he hit another house with older sisters. Mm. So Mabel Ma Bell, 83, and her sister Florence Nettie Lang, 81, were bludgeoned with a hammer. He escalated then because he bound and bludgeoned Bell before using an electrical cord to shock her. And both women were found alive two days later. Oh, my God. But comatose. Yeah. Bell ended up dying of her injuries. So each time one of the women lives. Yeah, so far. Someone in the house lives. Right. Uh, this one is kind of weird. This is like the first house with a kid. Mm. So Carol Kyle was uh, taken at gunpoint in her house. And he bound her and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs and then ransacked the house. And made her tell him and show him where the valuables were. And then he sodomized her. Has so he, he ever didn't, done... like, just rape her. He just sodomized her. Right. And then complete, like, just kept telling her not to look at him. And that at one point he'd cut her eyes out if she did. Ugh. Which he actually did at a later crime scene of someone else who died. And he'd put the kid in the closet after that when he was sodomizing her. And then he fled after pulling the kid out of the closet and tying them up again with handcuffs. Fuck me, dude. Jesus. And that was in Burbank. So he then went through like two other neighborhoods and decided on a house that he robbed at gunpoint. Uh, that Sophia, Sophie Dickman lived in. Jesus. He attempted to rape her. Didn't pan out. Stole her jewelry. And then when she swore to him that he'd taken everything, he told her to swear on Satan. So he's starting to tell people to swear on Satan. Sure. Yeah. The day after he robbed Sophie Dickman, I believe, I think my timeline's right on this. If it's not, I'm so sorry. But the day after a crime... He went to Ruth Wilson's house and bound, raped, and sodomized her with her 12-year-old son locked in a closet. Always with the not wanting the kids to see. Yeah, which is kind of weird. So Ramirez slashed Wilson and then bound her and her son together and left. But she didn't die. So that slash was non-fatal, thankfully. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after this, there was Deidre Palmer, who was 16, who survived being beaten with a tire iron. And then he did it again later with Whitney Bennett, who I'm actually going to talk about more in depth, uh, who was beaten severely with a tire iron and survived. Mm -hmm. She required 478 stitches on her scalp. Oh my God. Just, just on her head. Just on her head. That's your entire head. That is literally your entire head. Oh, my God. He tried to strangle her with a telephone cord, but when Ramirez saw the sparks coming out of the cord, he thought Jesus was talking to him. Sure, of course he did. Trying to help her, so he left. Whoa, seriously? Yes. So because Jesus was talking to him through the phone cord sparking... He left. I'm not even going to try to make sense of that. He's somebody who's like into Satan and yet is afraid enough of like Jesus or not wanting to deal with like, Jesus wants this person to live. So I guess I'll leave. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Richard. Richard. The day before was the 4th of July. She'd left a window open Mm. because she was calling out to her dad because he had a phone call and she didn't lock her window. So she went out with some friends and got home didn't see there was anything crazy going on she got home before 1 a.m oh it's it's about to get so bad it's about to get so bad warning her parents had had a party at the house that night and they were already in bed Mm -hmm. she remembered this is from this is from her legit testimony She remembered waking up with a terrible headache in her dark bedroom, which had been ransacked and the telephone cord had been cut. So she screamed for her parents, made her way to the hallway, and fell to her knees as her father came to help her. So the tire iron she'd been beat with had been left on the bedroom floor. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
like I said, he tried to strangle her, but Jesus said no. Oh my God. So he left. <sighs> there was also a bloody shoe print on her comforter, which matched another shoe print that was found on the cheek of a woman. Like he uh, stomped Joyce, on her? Joyce Nelson was a woman who'd been severely beaten and strangled two days after he broke into Whitney Bennett's house. And he left a footprint on her cheek because he beat her with his hands and he kicked her to death. So he really is just leaving a string of evidence. strangled her for good measure. Yeah, that one was brutal. But he left a shoe print that was able to match and tie him to other crime scenes. So as unfortunate as that was... It served a purpose in getting him caught. Yeah. Because he wasn't caring. Because this was all in 1985 at this point. I mean, so that is so much. It's like every other day this guy's like going to oh, go yeah. kill somebody. Yeah. And oh, then he God. goes a little bit without. Um, so in August of 1985, uh, Christopher and Virginia Peterson is the first couple I was able to find that survived. Both. Being attacked. They were both shot in the head. Oh, my God. By him and survived. That's insane to have that happen. Two people in the same place at the same time surviving headshots. Like. Yeah. Wow. He broke into their house and he was using a small caliber gun. So I think that helped a lot in the survival aspects. Sure. Because there's someone else that I'm going to go more in depth with who was his last victim that was also shot. But because it was a small caliber gun, it didn't do as much damage. Nice. Okay. So he broke into their house, crept into the bedroom, startled the wife, shot her in the face, and then shot the husband in the temple. He tried to run, but the husband fought back and avoided being hit by two more shots during the struggle before... Ramirez escaped, so he fought back after getting after shot. After being shot in the face. Yeah. Holy shit. And they survived their injuries. Wow. He has three more survivors that I'm going to talk about. He had some other kills in the mix. Sure. Of course. But three more survivors. <laughs> We're almost through this list, guys. Oh my god, we've... Stay with me. We've come so far. <laughs> Strength. So, Barbara Pan and her husband, Peter Pan. Oh! <gasps> Okay. Mm. So Ramirez had been following the media coverage of his crimes. So he went down to San Francisco. So he found the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. And he killed Peter Pan in his sleep with a gunshot to his temple with the same twenty-five caliber gun. This is just... uh, I'm so sorry, guys. It's a rough one. Barbara was then beaten and sexually violated before being shot in the head and left for dead. And if I'm remembering correctly, she was violated with the same gun that was used to kill her husband. Mm. Yep. Mm. She survived, though. Okay. That's She that's survived. It's very good. Two more. Two more. Two more. Two more. Three more, technically. God Maybe. damn it. <laughs> no, like, two more incidents. Okay. Okay. This one isn't bad. So, <laughs> August 24th. <laughs> By comparison. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) He stole a car, an orange Toyota, and drove to Mission Viejo. Mm -hmm. And he got to the home of James Romero Jr., who'd just gotten back from a family vacation in Mexico. Romero's son, who was 13, just happened to be awake and heard Ramirez's footsteps outside the house. Thinking it was a prowler, James went to wake his parents up, and Ramirez, Ramirez fled the scene. James raced outside and was able to make note of the color, make, and style of the car, as well as the partial license plate number. Hell yeah, dude. And contacted the police with information, thinking that they'd chased away a thief. They are... Little did they know. So lucky. Yes, holy shit. Props to that 13-year-old kid for hearing things and Mm. going to get an adult. Mm Mm-hmm. When you hear shit, don't ignore it. Right, because that's two separate stories now where it's like a kid was involved, they went they for at least a They heard a noise or saw a noise or saw something weird happening and when told God help, somebody. Yep. Yeah. Don't disregard it. See something, say something, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is the last survival 
story. Okay. So William Carnes lived with his girlfriend, Renata Gunther, and they both survived. Okay. He was shot in the head three times by Richard Ramirez. Oh, my God. He was shot a total of five times, but, like, three of them in the head. Jesus. He survived, but his left arm and his foot are paralyzed. His short-term memory is no good. Yeah. And his brain consistently malfunctioned. Wow. So they were asleep. Ramirez climbed in through an open window, shot Carnes with that twenty-five caliber gun, and then raped his girlfriend, and then ransacked the house. Jesus. Yeah. He stole literally everything, including their dirty laundry. He stole their dirty laundry. Okay. Was he just like, let me get some stuff out this house. Doesn't matter what it is. (sighs) Richard, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, so Richard left. Girlfriend was able to untie herself and ran across the street and got help. And they managed to get Billy to a hospital in time. He was declared brain dead for a little bit there. And he come back he came back from that. Yeah. Wow. Like his 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 condition was listed as brain dead. Right. And they they got it. And then a week after that he was caught. Oh I... a week after he broke into Billy's house. He was caught. So by just helping me put together things like by this point several people have been left alive who can give an yeah, idea of so what he looks like. So there's there's sort of an APB the out. The police sat down with the girlfriend and got a sketch. Okay. Oh, so it's actually her that did the sketch? There's yeah. nobody before that? There might have been, but that's the one that was released. Oh, so it must have been, like, real and good. prints, and they were able to then release a last mugshot from a 1984 arrest... I think for either a traffic violation or a drug violation. Oh, God damn it, Richard. <sighs> yep, but <laughs> the police at the press conference, when his mugshot was released, and that mugshot and the sketch were what got him caught mm-hmm. in that neighborhood a week later. Right. The police literally said at the press conference, we know who you are now, and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide. And it's almost like complete... I'm sure he would have been caught sooner or later, but it's almost complete dumb luck. He just chose a car that a guy happened to be working underneath. Yeah. And then people in the street recognize him. Yeah. And it's all over from there. Yeah. And it's also really lucky that a lot of those people just happened to survive. Like, he was brutal. Yeah. And that, or just, that's, that's, that's it. That's, I, I, I'm tapped out. That's, those are, that's Richard Those Ramirez are his survivors. And his survivors. Well, I hate everything. Jeez. That was the worst. I need, like, a warm hug. I know. I want to talk about kittens for a minute or something. What if I actually pause this and get more wine for... (laughs) Just, like, I don't know how to do this anymore. You made me listen to a whole thing. I hate it. (laughs) That was brutal. Brutal. All right, so I got more that wine. That was so traumatic. Yeah, we got more wine, everyone. It's fine. It's okay. Um, I'm just, you know what? I'm here for all of you for sticking with us through yes. that because that was rough. Thank you, the five people who have decided that they can make it through there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, if if the five of you could just just be real cool for like another few minutes while I talk about Paul Bernardo, that would be very sweet of you. I'm out. You're out? You're leaving? <laughs> is that what you're telling me right now? Well, my own co-host is gone, so... Rip. You're the one who wanted to talk Dick Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this would be a great idea. I could totally do this. No. No. I regret everything. Dude, yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I actually... Mine's a little interesting. Um, Paul Bernardo is known by two different names. Um, people from Canada or people who are, who grew up near Canada, um, we're in Wisconsin, so this wasn't completely unknown to us, but we didn't get a lot of coverage. My roommate knew about him. You know, Kat. Um, who is Canadian. 
Yes. And we told her that Taylor was doing this dude, and her face just... She just, knew. Oh. She knew exactly what was yeah. going on. This was the biggest fucking deal in Canada. It's not that Canada doesn't get crime and serial killers. It's just they're not the same... Canada had the dude that we're probably going to talk about at some point. Yeah. The pig farmer dude. Yeah, that, dude. Like, fed his victims to his pigs. That uh, now is the basis for so many horror things. Mm-hmm. Well, as I mean, as I have a Reddit story here, and one of the Reddit users was like, God damn, you guys don't go bad often, but when you go bad, Ooh. you go real fucking bad. Woof. So, Paul Bernardo is one of the most infamous serial rapists and serial killers that they have and um his a lot of his stuff happened in the late 80s um with his trial happening in the mid 90s a lot of people still remember this it still gets talked about um for reasons i'll I'll go into later which is just gonna be great for everyone um but yeah so paul bernardo he was born to a semi-normal family except that the father was known to be somewhat abusive and he was actually the product of an affair between his mother and um, one of her old lovers um by all accounts he was a pretty normal kid um except that he might have suffered some abuse some say he was probably too young to really understand the ramifications of what he was suffering yeah but obviously something was wrong inside his head yes obviously um, so just a little bit more about him. He is, he lived in Scarborough, Ontario, um, in the late eighties. And that is where he committed 13 rapes. He was known as the Scarborough rapist. Yeah. He sure. committed those rapes all within, I want to say, hold on. Yeah. All within about three years, four years, maybe 1986 to 1990. Okay. Yeah, um, it's fucking great. It's a, it's a, it's a whole shit ton of rapes in one area. Yeah. Um, That's a little brazen. Um, yeah, to just be like, I'll stick right around here, and I'll hop houses, and I'll just rape a bunch of chicks, all of whom are between the ages of 14 and 20. Oh. Young, young, young girls and women. Um, at one part, at one point, he married a woman who becomes a part of this story her name is Carla Homolka anybody who is familiar with this as a as a story knows that name she became his accomplice Ugh. she is a horrible hideous person who yeah. is now out of prison and i don't care that i'm saying her name we know people who know people who know where she lives yeah. <laughs> and um it's horrible that she's out cuz she was very much complicit in a lot of what happened uh, later on, especially after he moved out of Scarborough. Um, So I guess we'll get into a little bit more about his, his rapes first, because as we'll, I'll note later, he has three murders on his record, two of which he was convicted for. So obviously there are no survivors of his murder phase. Um, (laughs) However, yeah, all of his, rape victims from his Scarborough rapist days. Um, All of them survived. But there are also, I wanted to sort of mention that there are attempted rapes on his record. There are people who came forward saying he tried to rape me and it didn't work out. I wanted to talk about why that is, because it's important to note that these people, they got out of a rape situation from a horrible, violent rapist who then went on to murder people. I do want to make, yeah. (laughs) Emily's face like, "Mm." Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, like, disclaimer, there is no, there's nothing bad about any of these people who could not avoid being raped, of course. Like, I would never say that they did something wrong, whereas the people who did avoid getting raped did something better. Circumstance. Exactly. Literally circumstance. Circumstance is, like, all of it, honestly. Yeah. But sometimes, if you are in a circumstance where it works out that you can get yourself out of the situation doing certain things can help you get out of that situation. So some of them, I have them written down here, like July 27th, 1987, his third rape. Um, He beat this young woman before he tried to rape her, but she fought him back so ferociously that he abandoned it and just left because he didn't want to get caught. Um, And the interesting thing about that is that he had a string between June and July of 1987 of three rapes. And then after she fought him, he didn't rape anybody again until December of that year. Um, However, 
Uh, then he did continue to rape people from December 1987 all the way up until October 4th, 1988, his seventh rape victim. Um, he inflicted two stab wounds on her thigh uh, that needed stitches, but she fought him off and escaped as well. Ow. Yeah. I mean, she stabbed and she got away. Um, Especially the thigh. Like yeah. Femoral artery, if you hit that. I know, right? He must, obviously Ooh. he missed it, but like. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, whew. Um, December 27th, 1988. Um, a neighbor helped chase off somebody. It just says an alerted neighbor. So he either he alerted them somehow by sneaking in poorly or she was or screaming. she was screaming. Right. The next one is actually that. The next one I have listed here is, this is June 20th, 1989. This person screamed so loud that it alerted all of her neighbors who then three people, three separate people called the cops. <laughs> like That'd be me. Yeah. I'm like, pretty sure I can wake up everyone in my apartment building. Right. And he fled with a scratch on his face, which like, if this was a time when like DNA evidence was something that they used regularly and was trusted, yeah. Yeah. she had his DNA under her fingernails. And that was which... something Kat actually talked about. Because <laughs> she was like, you guys should do survival tips about, like, what happens if you're attacked and fighting them off mm -hmm. if you can. I'm like, yep, if you can. If you can't. Right. Again, circumstance. A lot of the times, like, with murders, sexual assaults, all that kind of stuff, it's usually people you know. Mm-hmm. At which point you won't necessarily fight back. Yeah. Because of the element of surprise or circumstance, mm -hmm. whatever. But if you do fight back, get it. Right. You scratch, you bite, yeah. you claw, you kick, you do anything you can to transfer things from their clothes, fibers from their clothes, mm -hmm. hair, pull at their hair. Forensic evidence has come such a long way, and there's really so much they can use to build an idea of who this person is. Yeah. And the more you do to help them, the easier it is, and the fewer people might be a victim of the same thing. Because Kat was saying if she ever was in a situation where she was going to die... And knew she was going to die. She was going out with a bang. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. Yes. Fighting them off. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Again, I just want to reiterate, like, this was a very successful rapist. If one can succeed at something like rape, he did it. He, he's a bad human being. He confessed to 14 counts of rape total, 13 of which happened within this four-year period. And so he was very good at this, and the majority of people were not able to fight him off, were not able to get away or alert other people, and that's not on them. No, look at it's, Ted Bundy, look at Gary Ridgway. Right. Like, the, they raped a lot of women, and right. there were very few people that survived them, because yes. they were very good at what they did. Yes. This person, also, Bernardo, very good at what he did. But I also think that it's important to take a look at the people who managed to fight him off, managed to alert other people to the situation, and just use them as an example. If you ever find yourself in this situation, try. I hope you don't. Yes, we always hope you don't. But try to do what they did. Fight him off. Scream as loud as you can until you alert somebody. Get DNA anywhere you can. If yep. it's under your fingernails, if it's anything you can do, um, always very important. And that's what these people did, and that is... Part of the reason why they are just attempted rapes as opposed to yeah. just more rapes on his record. Um, the One of his final rapes as the Scarborough Rapist happened on May 26th, 1990. It was his 11th one. Um, so not his last last, but one of them. This woman was 19 years old, and she had such a vivid recollection of what he looked like that... Um, she made, like, a computer composite with the police. Wow. Not just a drawing. She was able to help them make composite. a computer composite photograph. Yeah, which was released two days later and then published all over the Toronto area yeah. and in other newspapers. So because of this pick, he was actually um, turned in by some friends saying he looks like this person and he shares his, like, sort of sexual history with us. And he never said, hey, I rape women, but... You know, we're a little concerned about him, and you should probably talk to him. So he actually was brought in on questioning for this this rape and then several others that had the same M.O. I Those mean, are good friends. Yeah. Well, Bernardo was brought in um, after they questioned one of the friends first who wanted them to bring him in. And they thought the friend was a little shifty. The way he talked was a little strange. And then Come Bernardo... On. Uh-huh. And then Bernardo comes in, and he's charming, and he has the right answer for everything. So the police, uh-huh. So the police look at him, and he's like, they're like, he's even less shifty than the guy who said to look at him. Maybe we should look at this guy. No. Yeah. 
So, Never trust the charming guys. I know, right? Like Murder 101. Late 80s. Did we still not know anything? Come on. But anyway, Bernardo was not brought up on charges. He was not further investigated. Sure. He was brought he in for questioning. Way out of it. Yep. He raped 13 women and he was brought in for questioning one time. Asshole. Yeah. After that point, he moved out of Scarborough. Sure. I, I want to say he was in St. Christiana um, after that. And in this period in time, he also met the woman who is to be his future wife, um, Carla Homoka. Yeah, Carla Homoka was somebody, they were interested in each other very quickly. They became sexual partners and, and then girlfriend, boyfriend very quickly. Um, and she was one of his only partners of that time who encouraged this sort of sadistic side of him. Didn't think it was bad or creepy. Didn't run the fuck away. So... You have to wonder, mm -hmm. were they just, like, hooking up one night, things started to get rough, he tried to back off, and she was like, no, no, it's okay. You gotta wonder. You gotta wonder how you that actually like, comes up. go harder, do whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, I've never approached someone for a sadistic sex thing. Yeah, for real. Like, hey, I... Hey, I'm a Scarborough sadistic rapist. sexual person looking for another sadistic sexual person. Can Hit I me punch up. you while we fuck? Like, oh God. Yes. Okay, but oh. anyway, however it happens, oh however it happened, <laughs> Carla Homoka was real into that shit, and they got together. Eventually, they get married. That's more like early '90s stuff. They're together for a while. Stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Can a... I punch you? <laughs> no! You, you know there's people who are into that. I know. You know it. I think it. I've met one of them. I'm sure you have. Ugh. Everybody has met at least one person who wants to get punched while they fuck. No. Because here's the thing. Like, he was a rapist when yeah. he met her. Yeah. It escalates from there. Sure. And you can't say that it's entirely her fault, but you can't say that it's not her influence saying this is okay. She was like his weird little murder muse. Mm-hmm. Not because, like, here's the thing. His first murder victim is Tammy Homolka. Subtle. Yeah. Carla's... Real subtle. Carla's youngest sister. There are three sisters in the family. He is engaged to Carla and viciously flirting with Tammy. Sure. And well, I mean, he's a very charming guy. Mm-hmm. Carla goes so far as to fix the blinds on Tammy's window so that he can get in whenever he wants to. He ha she helps him drug her. So that he can I rape her. This now. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, this is probably the part that people remember yeah. a lot because it's yeah. the family element. Like Carla did not give a fuck. She wasn't jealous, and she didn't want to protect her sister. Sisters. Yeah, Tammy. Sisters. <laughs> Still. There were never such devoted sisters. Oh, the opposite. Oh, you just <laughs> sang the exact wrong song. Tammy Hamoka was violate, drugged and then violated multiple times yeah. by Paul yeah. and, while Carla was there watching. Yeah. Um, until one time they drugged her and she overdosed and died. Whoops. Um, the police believed the pair's version of events, even though they were in the family's basement at the time. Um, just that she got too drunk, she died. That was it. Even though she had chemical burns from her own vomit on her face. <laughs> When your vomit burns your face, Ugh. you have stuff inside of you, but That's nobody looked into stuff. it. Not good stuff. Not good stuff. Not just regular alcohol not stuff either. Stuff that shouldn't be there. Right. Stuff they use to poison you. From that point, um, they eventually move out of sort of t um, Carla's parents' house um, to their sure, own place. Sure, they wasted up their basement space. Yeah. Well, there was already a, just like a ghost up in there. And <laughs> they needed to get out. Lord knows she was going to haunt the fuck out of them. Um, from that point, though, like Carla continues to help. There are two other women who die because Carla either finds them and brings them to Paul or is a major factor in telling him that they should be killed as opposed to just raped and dropped off somewhere. Drugging was their main thing. Um, the first woman who they brought back who was not a member of the Homoka family was named Leslie Mahaffey. They kept a blindfold on her the whole time, and then there was a point 
they videotaped this, by the way. So the, uh, the people who, the jury saw this. No! Yeah. Um, they saw video, they heard audio of Leslie Mahaffey. She's, you know, drugged. She's being raped and sodomized. She's mentioning that, by the way, the blindfold is slipping, and I don't want to see you, because I would oh. like to not die. Yeah. She was killed anyway. Um, and then they had a third person named Christian French. Um who was also murdered, and it was believed that they intended to murder her the whole time because she never had a blindfold. But it was always sort of the same story. You pick up a girl, you drug her immediately, you let him do whatever he wants, and then they both kill her. So that's three murders, including Carla's own family member. Leslie and Kristen were killed in 1991 and then 1992. Um, so that's shitty. Again, like, this is a story I kind of had a hard time with because there's not a lot of... There, there are no murder survivors. There are, however, a bunch of rape survivors. I mean, 14. He didn't kill anybody in his Scarborough days, at least. So before I go into why I found that sort of important and super interesting, because there's a lot of victim rights stuff, the way he was tried is really interesting, I do want to read, there are some Reddit stories of people who encountered this motherfucker. Uh. Okay, so, Reddit story number one from a, it's a deleted username, I don't know, it just says deleted. Hi, deleted. My aunt went to high school with Canada's most notorious serial killer, Paul Bernardo. She still has the yearbook he signed. See you at the bus stop, Paul. This on Reddit, I sent you this. Yes, you did. Now, here's oh. the thing about the bus stop. That's where he found women to follow home, stalk, and then enter their homes and rape them. Oh, no. He was found at bus stops. He was chased down by a dude who thought he was creepy at a bus terminal once, but he got away. Well, bus stops. Good job, dude who chased him down. He tried. So, like, how creepy is it, though, knowing that, knowing that bus stops, bus terminals was his thing to see, see what the bus stop on your almost yearbook. Almost seeing your name written by a serial killer. Yeah, 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 almost. Almost. Here's another person by codename The Chin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take anything they say seriously. I know. I have a Bernardo story. Sure. One morning, I met up with one of my friends, who we'll call Lucky, at school, and she mentions that she thinks some blonde guy in a shitty white-slash-cream-colored car was following her as she walked to school. We agree the situation is weird and make plans to walk home together. Safety in numbers Safety in and numbers. all that. And that is very, very important. Safety in numbers, absolutely. Trust your gut. The next day, Lucky tells me that she got home from school the previous afternoon and told her mom about the car. Her mom then tells her that a blonde man came to the door around lunchtime claiming that he lost his dog and if no. she, Lucky's mom, had seen it in the neighborhood. No. She politely told him she had been out, she had not been outside that day, wished him luck, and closed the door. Sometime later, Paul Bernardo's face is plastered all over the news from that composite photo. Oh, shit. And both Lucky and her mom confirmed that he is the same man that followed Lucky and lost his dog. He had been stalking her. Sure. She yeah, would have been, you know. She would have been one of his victims. She would have been one of his this victims. This is what he did. Absolutely. Like, the fact that he went to the house and talked to the mom. Yeah, he's casing the place. Jesus. He's probably looking at whatever he can on the inside of the house, seeing who lives there with her. Like, ugh. This one is called, the rest of these are short. There's just two more. They're pretty short. Um, Otter of Life. Life spelled L-Y-F. Okay. Obligatory not me, but my mom. <laughs> my mom taught Paul Bernardo while he was at university. Uh, she had switched him to a different class due to him eyeing her down constantly. At this point, my mom was a young blonde woman. Oh boy. She made sure not to go near him. Good call on her part. Yeah. <laughs> Literally trust your gut. Like That's he's giving it... you weird vibes. She transferred him. Like she was like, yeah, no, no, no. Get the fuck out of your class. I will not have this. Yeah. Fucking absolutely. I mean, or fail him. That's probably what I would do. This is why I'm not a college professor. Well, sure. I mean, you make the hair on the back of my him, stand up. I'm failing you. Failing you would probably have. It would make it so that you'd have to have them in your class longer than you want, though. No, no, no. You I, can't just fail. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's regulations. Gone. There's no, he's gone. <laughs> there's rules. That's it. I failed him. He's done. <laughs> this is my college. Dunzo. Now. Hey, um, you wrote Dunzo on his transcript. Dunzo. <laughs> What? My college, my rules. It was only two weeks into classes. Can you explain? No. No. Because fuck that guy. You seen his eyes? <laughs> Creepy eyes. 
Serial killer, dead eyes. Dead eyes. Dunzo. Dunzo. <laughs> anyway, this last one, this final one, is by my favorite username. Oof. It's got like 11 O's. <laughs> oh my god. Now this one is about Carla. Carla Homoka was the veterinary technician at the vet we took our dog to. Oh boy. I was super young and barely remember her, though oh my no. parents said she was sunny and vibrant. Ooh. You'd never expect a thing. Paul Bernardo was the same, sunny disposition. The two of them earned the nickname of the Ken and Barbie killers for this reason. This is the first time I'd ever actually heard that. Don't I didn't... trust happy people. Yeah, they're very sunny and both like blonde and beautiful sort of type of deal. Um, they both seemed lovely, and you'd never expect a thing. This veterinary clinic was the same place where she stole tranquilizers, which she used to drug some of the victims. I was waiting for you to say, like, she unnecessarily put down animals, mm. because I mean, I, that would be very typical of someone with access to true. all of that. Who knows? Well, she probably could have, but she'd have been caught eventually. She'd right. have had to leave before. My thought is that Carla's not an idiot. She's no, got so it seems she yeah, if she's got from a what fucking I remember plan. about her mm -hmm. and what I've heard about them. She was definitely the smarter one of that relationship. Well, yeah. And like they both sort of had plans on ways to carry things out. But like she had there were multiple circumstances in which she was like, I brought home a present for you. And it's a person she fucking kidnapped. So like. She's got it thought through, I guess, in That's her own fucked up mind. Now, I want to move on. I don't want to spend, like, too, too much time on this because we've been talking for a while, but I think this is important, and it was, like, one of the most interesting things I was reading about. When Bernardo went to trial, the court decided to label him a dangerous offender, which sure. is something that they have in Canada. Um, this is, like, a national law. You can name somebody a dangerous offender. It's left for the most violent criminals whose sentences might not keep them in prison as long as you want them to be. Like we have constant sentencing issues in these stories that we tell. Yeah. This, the, the dangerous offender designation is supposed to stop that because what ended up happening is he was tried for the two murders, not Tammy, not, um, not Carla's sister. They couldn't prove that, but Leslie and Kristen French, they were both, um, he was convicted of their two murders, but he was serving two concurrent life sentences, which is the opposite, if anybody's wondering, of consecutive. You know, usually in this country, we'll say you're going to serve two consecutive life sentences, which means you're there for a life sentence and then you're there for another life sentence. Yep. Concurrent means they run together, nope. which makes no fucking sense to me because you're already in prison. You can't be in double prison. There's Fuck no timey-wimey bullshit here. Right. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? How can you just say that somebody deserves to go to jail for one life sentence's worth of time when they've killed two people? Doubling it up doesn't make it, it better. No, it doesn't. It makes no sense. How are you making sure they suffer twice as much? Like, I don't get what the reasoning is. But either way, this means he was serving two concurrent life sentences, which meant he was eligible for parole in 25 years. However... With the dangerous offender label, he can be jailed indefinitely. Good. Yeah. So, and the way it works with dangerous offender is you can, like, a board will go to you again in seven years after your sentencing and check if you still deserve the dangerous offender designation. It's not something you're given for life necessarily. You get to sort of appeal it after a certain period of time. You're in there for seven years, and then after seven, if they still decide you're a dangerous offender, every two years after that, they will follow up with you. Because, I mean, reform is a thing, but, like, not with somebody like fucking Paul Bernardo. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely possible in terms of, like, drug cases. Sure. Because I've seen the positive results from that. But I... murder. Mm-hmm. Rape, Rape, sodomy, and murder. torture. No. Yeah. You um, don't come back from that. You don't get to come back from that. Right. I think as like, because they are an, a government entity, like I'm okay with them having checks on themselves because, you know, people get sentenced to the death penalty and they're not supposed to be there. Right. You can be sentenced to dangerous offender and not really need to be there. So yeah. what they're doing is giving themselves a way to double check. So I understand that. Now, the problem with that, and this is the way it worked out with Paul Bernardo's people, is that because they labeled him that, knowing that he was also the Scarborough rapist, um, he did not go to trial for those rapes. He went to trial for the murders only, uh. which means that he 
that his victims, the ones who wanted to come forward, did not get to face him in trial. Yeah, because it was just for the murders, and they didn't introduce any evidence as to the rapes. Right. So they it would have been a separate trial. They would have yeah. needed to actually make charges against him to introduce that evidence. Exactly. That testimony. And to they, you know, in the court's reasoning was, we want to speed things up. We want to put this guy in prison. We want to end this shit that the victims are going through. So. We're just going to make him an, a dangerous offender, and we're just not going to do the second trial. Yeah. Which I can understand. However, there are a bunch of his victims who were very upset, I and I actually it. have quotes from them. I want to take back the power taken away from me. I have taken back some of the power taken away from me by speaking out, and I will get the rest back when I testify as a strong, confident, and emotionally stable witness. The charge is being submitted legally, and his guilt of that crime is being recorded for all time, and it's an extremely important part of my own healing process. I do not believe that the court or crown should have the power to plead this away. I do not feel that this is just to the individual, such as myself, whom the crime is actually committed against. That is probably one of, like, the most cogent things a person could say in the situation when all you want to do is scream. But there's a couple of them. Like, this one's like, I have no close friends. I am one yeah. he should have killed because every day I die a little more inside and I realize that the only thing I get up for since Mr. Bernardo was arrested is to be able to see him with my own eyes in court and submit this statement. In doing this, I hope that I will f be free... Um, from this emotional pain and recapture my soul so that I can start living again. I need for all of you to see and hear me speak of the impact he has left on me. A letter just won't do. So, like, these people didn't, they, they have such strong stances, and this is not the only one. There's a bunch of them. Well, they, and they didn't get to talk. They didn't get to speak. But, they like, getting justice for what happened to you, especially once, like, that door has been closed, mm -hmm. and they're like, no, no. We're not going to prosecute this. We're not going after them for this. We're not doing mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. That's it. We're going for the easy charges with the easy evidence that we know for sure we can get a conviction on to put them away. Right. But look at that. We're putting them away. It's going to be okay. No, no, no. It doesn't right. make anybody feel better. Right. Th what these people wanted was to look him in the eye. And say it to, their, to his face. Yeah. This yeah. is what you did to me, but I'm actually yep. still here. Yeah. And it's fine. I'm still here. Like, I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. You didn't I'm ruin be okay. me. I'm helping put you away. You like, didn't that's, break me. Right. And that's really important and really powerful. So I can understand why these people would feel oh, God, like that was yeah, taken away from anger. them. Like, like, they should have at least been at the sentencing. Yeah. And have been allowed to speak at the sentencing. Right. And I think, I mean, maybe... Well, now, here's the only other thing is, like, he did apply for day parole in 2015, he is not day received. Parole. Yeah, day parole is a thing you can do, apparently. You can apply for day parole three years before you are allowed actual parole, like to apply for actual parole if you are a dangerous offender. Um, he did not get it, though. Again, this is Good. another one of the things they said is like, just because you're eligible for parole doesn't mean we're <laughs> going to fucking gonna get it. Yeah, you're a, you're a fucking never psycho. Never going to get it, never going to get it, never going to get it, never going to get it. <laughs> Yeah, um, so he's not he's not been paroled. However, unfortunately, Carla got out in 2005. Bitch. They had a lot of conflicting stories. They talked against each other. Whose fault was each act? Who actually decided to murder the people? She got off fucking easy. If we were to talk to Kat, if she were here right now, that's the part that people are still really mad about in She's Canada. She's still mad about Carla. <laughs> yeah, I would be shit. I mean, it was 12 years ago now. But I'm still like, yeah, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Because that, that yeah. woman brought victims to him. And yeah, she is... She, she was like, if you want to look at the definition of an enabler... Mm-hmm. I swear to God, there's a picture of Carla right next to it. Exactly. I mean, not just... I mean, our, our enabler and then a participant on a level that seems insane for such sadistic, gross acts. Rumor. Yeah. So, the only thing I wanted to say really quick before I end this is that because of these, like... There's constant um, victims' rights issues um, wherever you are. I actually can. I think you should probably look into what are the victims' rights laws in your state. We, there's something called Marcy's Law that's been enacted in California, and Wisconsin is actually one of the states where they're thinking of bringing this up. It's a law that would set protection for crime victims that includes the right to prevent disclosure of records that could be used to locate or harass you as a victim. 
or the victim's family, and the right to be present at all hearings and proceedings related to the case, which um, here is actually something that's already law. It would yeah. just elevate it to constitutional status. Which would be really nice. Yeah, I, I just thought, like, because of all those issues and because of how complicated this story got, um, it's important that we keep victims' rights in mind. These are survivors who deserve Absolutely. what they need to, to live and heal. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, real quick, survival tips, because yes, we should we, do these real we quick. Want, we want like, to get here for quick you. Because we've been talking for so for a million years. Okay. We're talking about home invasions. Yeah, How to survive cause... a home invasion. Some weird sort of out of the box. You don't necessarily have to have a home security system because we know people can't always afford that. And it's bullshit to just yep. say that. So we have some interesting free-ish ideas. Yeah. Something people should look into. Automatic phone dialers. Ooh. There is an app for that. Of course there is. I don't know if it's free. I Googled it, and there is some automatic phone dialer software out there for smartphones. So that's just sort of like you can have a, a phone number you dialed in that you want. You can set up like an emergency phone number, so mm -hmm. you can have this automatic dialer call 911 and put it on speakerphone with a push of a button. Fuck yes. So there you go. if you're in an emergency situation and you don't think you can hit 911, that might be a good way to do it. Legit. Let's go back and forth. Yeah. Okay, so um, this one sounds a little weird, but it's kind of got a good point, especially talking about Richard fucking Ramirez. Put some thorny bushes around your windows. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but, like, the point of this is you want to make it as difficult as possible to get into your house, right? So you're going to lock your windows, you're going to lock your screen doors, your front door, your back door, your sad door, your second floor windows. You're sad, no. You're sad, no. <laughs> but also, you're, if you can put any sort of plants like thorny bushes, not only is that a deterrent from getting in through your windows or doors, it also collects DNA. Because if you get one scrape, yeah. it's on there and they're going to look at it. So that's just another one. Just plant some shit around your shit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one I have is a survival tip from crimedoctor.com. And this is a, like home invasion survival tips, but what doesn't always work. Mm. And this is actually interesting. Of screaming and shouting is the easiest and most natural thing that everyone can do. It can alert savvy neighbors who will call the police or scare off home invaders. But it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. So always be thinking, looking for opportunities to get out of a situation, have sure. an escape plan lined up in case screaming doesn't work. I've also been told by cops, don't scream like, I'm being raped, I'm being attacked, scream, fire. I fucking hate that rule. Like, I, I've, I've been taught that in self-defense classes as well. It's the fucking worst. Yeah. Uh, it makes me feel like garbage that somebody wouldn't come to my aid if I was screaming that I was being raped. Um, but, yeah, yeah uh, we have been told that enough times that, like, yes, scream, fire. Um, over here, as far as, like, I, I guess another thing that probably doesn't always work, so you shouldn't hang your laurels on it, but it's, like, a good idea. Again, this is you know, for people who can't afford a home security system hang a bell on your door um like i know again yeah, it's home like home alone that shit yes exactly home alone that shit because like any sort of low-grade intruders are going to get freaked out by that it's a noise it's not something they were expecting they might completely turn around and run a violent person might not care but at least you have heard it somebody has heard seconds. it you have yeah i mean a couple of seconds can be all it fucking takes so yeah. like Make sure your door makes noise if it opens. And then do that one push, 911. Yes. Yeah, I mean, because if you, you hear that, you know that nobody's supposed to be in your house. It's three in the fucking morning. You press that. That might be all you need. That might save your life. Even if it's a false alarm, like, I would rather have the cops come out. Right. Well, and you can also tell a 911 operator, oh, never mind. The last one I have is... Interesting because of the current climate with mm. handgun, concealed carry kind of things. Mm -hmm. What they're recommending is don't try to pull a weapon on an armed perpetrator mm -hmm. who already has you covered with a handgun. Mm -hmm. Just because you feel like it's your lash. Mm, well, also, fun, their gun's shot. already raised. And yeah, their you... gun is already out. Mm-hmm. Um, they also said, like, don't agree to be transported somewhere else hmm. unless you feel like it's a life or death decision. 
Okay. Like getting in the trunk, being tied up, handcuffed, any like handcuffed, handcuffed, handcuffed. <laughs> because it takes away your self-defense options mm-hmm. and it leaves you very vulnerable. Right. But again, like if it's a matter of like you versus your property, you are more important. Mm-hmm. You are so much more important. Get renter's insurance, get home insurance. Mm-hmm. Things can be replaced. You cannot. Right. Um, I've got a couple, and one of them is, I mean, again, this is for people who probably feel like they live in a dangerous area. um, So that, I mean, this is more of a constant threat maybe, but like they do recommend a safe room in certain situations. It can just be a closet. But as long as like multiple people who live in the house can fit there, um, the hinges of the door should be mounted so they swing out, not in. Um, that should have a flashlight, preferably a landline phone. Um, and, and this one says if you own one, a firearm, but these people also have a lot of things about like, Hey, you know, if you're going to fire your gun, probably be careful. Know your local laws. Are you allowed to stand your ground? Should you be doing that? Like this entire thing was mostly like, Hey, maybe don't. Also, if, hey, you, maybe have a, don't. if you have a phone check, if you live in like an apartment or something mm-hmm. and you have a phone check, I was told by the CenturyLink dude that was installing the internet at my last place, hmm. you can plug a phone into the phone check and it will allow you to call 911. 911. Emergency calls emergency. only. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. buy, if you can even find them in stores anymore. I think you still Go to can. Goodwill, dude. Yeah. They got phones. Get a phone. Mm-hmm. And have a landline mm-hmm. Just, to call yeah. 911 on. Plug it into it. the one place you know, like, you can hide for a little bit. Like, I have a phone check in my room and I'm probably going to... There you go. Get, a phone and Get it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. This is the last one I kind of liked because, again, these are really out-of-the-box ideas. Keep a spare front door key on a chain with a glow stick. Uh, so if you're stuck on an upper floor when the police arrive, how will you let them in? You can crack the glow stick and toss it out the window so the officers can gain access to your front door. Okay, that's kind of brilliant. Yeah, that's like, I was like, what? Oh, my God, I never thought about that. Because, yeah, the glow stick is not going to last long. You have to crack it when you need it. But they're going to be able to find it. But make sure it's, like, not one of those that's really thick that it takes an army to crack. The one they actually have in the video is that, where I'm like, oh, my no. thumbs can't my thumbs can't do the thing. <laughs> but like, or I yeah. guess get a bag of them and practice. Right. And get really strong thumbs. Also, though, the adrenaline is probably going to oh, be like, yeah. adrenaline boom, is I like just cracked just, a uh, fucking whole table in half i think i can handle this yeah Uh, so yeah that's um those are just some sort of weird out of the box for us poor people ideas of how to keep yourself safe in a home invasion situation yeah fuck yeah all right hey this was a decent one so okay this was was a lot it was it was a lot so thank you for sticking with us everyone we love you thanks for going on this crazy journey with us absolutely emotions trust your gut and have a good night bye bye This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thank you for listening. Wherever you find our podcasts, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to help us grow. Thanks.